and welcome to episode 342 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and let's see, what metaphor do I want to use here? Um, it's early September, uh, a lot of people are starting uh, school and breaking in, let's say, a, uh, some new school clothes for the first time of the year, And in, but instead of breaking in school clothes, we are breaking in some new Retro Encounter panelists. So let's in, let's introduce them. Uh, first of all, making his over 100th appearance on the show, Peter Treasonberg. Yeah, I'd say I'm the opposite of a new person, but hi, Peter Treasonberg. <laughs> All right, well, well, you can be like our, our old favorite backpack that we've had for years and years, but then, then let's talk about our new jeans, shirt, and sneakers. Um, three panelists are joining Peter and I today, making their first appearance on Retro Encounter. I am so happy and proud and excited to introduce to you, first, Joshua Lindquist. Hi, everyone. And Tom Cox. Hello. And Anthony Krolikowski. Hi, thanks for having me. It is it is my honor and pleasure to have all three of you joining the show, uh, Tom, Joshua, Peter, and Anthony. And uh, we're here, I mean, we're in a good mood. We're excited to talk about, uh, about well, today's topic, the, the Nintendo 3DS, a machine that uh, has given us many, many hours of joy over the years. Uh, we recently had a feature repost. I think it was original. It was originally from 2017, but we reposted our best RPGs of the 3DS feature. Uh, somewhat recently and so you can find that uh on the rpg fan main site and we even use that feature as a little bit of a basis to look up all the rpgs for the system but um there is a little bit of a sad twinge to this because the 3ds eShop is shutting down officially in march of 2023 and uh users will stop being able to add money to their uh nintendo 3ds account uh using credit cards or, or similar devices late uh, in august so uh, we're we're recording this in august but um that time will have already passed at the time of this episode so it, we're celebrating the 3ds but also somewhat mourning the 3ds's time because it is it is sadly passed nintendo is doing just fine with their uh that switch machine i've heard so much to, um talk about but here the, the switch is the future and the 3ds is the present so uh starting with you peter yeah you and i have had many conversations like this before um tell us a little bit about like why you love the 3ds or something about the 3ds you love oh yeah the, the 3ds is just a really special handheld um i've uh i've i've actually i've owned three of them over the course of since the, it came out because they've had so many different little iterations of them but it's just it was a terrific handheld for rpgs and kind of handheld more traditional nintendo experiences it had enough processing power that it could kind of recreate games that we would have seen on consoles in like the late in like the early 2000s so it really felt like it was really ahead of its time and and some of the games um early on made really good use of that 3d gimmick um so yeah i have a lot of fondness for the system so many hours uh playing zelda and pokemon and all that good stuff zelda and pokemon might show up later this episode but uh same question to you tom uh, yeah, I mean, I think the 3DS is a really special console. I mean, it was the first... I got mine, like, late 2016, which is quite late on in the life cycle, but it was the first console I ever bought with my own money. Like, I was only 13 at that point, so uh, that makes me sound quite young. But, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, just... A, a cruel reminder of exactly <laughs> how much older I am than you, Tom. Oh, my God, Tom is baby. <laughs> but, yeah, Please I mean, continue. also, I think, um, compared to the Switch, just, like, the customized the customization that you could have of it you know you had your themes there was a lot more special editions the new 3ds like 
the smaller one had all the swappable faceplates. I just felt it was definitely a console that that felt like it had a personality, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And um, while you mentioned special editions and faceplates, uh, the I've only owned one 3DS, but uh, it is the Year of Luigi special 3DS that uh, that came with a, a baked-in copy of uh, Mario and Luigi Dream Team. So I have a it's a it's a nice little silver and black 3ds with some etched Mario and Luigi uh, uh, images at the back, and I, I I treasure that thing. Um, I I guess it'll be my turn now. Um, I, I I got a 3ds in 2014, I believe. I was extremely keen to play a couple of the big 3ds titles that had already come out, and uh, it, the library is so strong that I have been rarely disappointed. There, it, it's uh, my collection is probably something like 75% RPGs. I, I glanced at my, uh, my at my game cases uh, before recording. But there's both uh, remakes and ports and original games. It is just a strong library through and through. And uh, it's, I mean, this, the sales show for it. This game, uh, this game, this system sold like gangbusters for Nintendo for many, many years. But uh, 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 Josh, uh, let's have you go next. And uh, I would not be shocked if you mentioned a certain series that you're well known for. Yeah, uh, we're not going to have to wait long for that. Uh, the 3DS is a Zelda machine. Um, uh, that That is the reason I bought one. Ocarina of Time Remake was quickly announced. Uh, and uh, But even beyond that, it was the first handheld Nintendo had that had a digital store that had full-fledged titles in it, uh, including a virtual console. So my 3DS is just full of retro games, uh, notably every Zelda game they wanted to sell me. Uh, so, I mean, it's still on the charger right now. I still use it on a semi-regular basis uh, to play Zelda and RPGs and just everything that I could download. And a lot of that stuff has is, is not been released again. I mean, all, all true. Uh, uh, my favorite 3DS game is a specific Zelda game that I'm sure we'll talk about shortly. Uh, but uh, before we get into that part of the podcast, Anthony, uh, tell us a little bit about you and the 3DS. So I'm going to start off with, sorry, I'm going to make you feel a little older. I was eight when the 3DS came out, turning nine. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. So, yeah, I was just going into, like, fifth grade. So, um, you know, for I always grew up with handhelds. Like, my first console was a DS. I used to play Pokemon nonstop when I was real younger than that. And, um, you know, it always kind of just stuck with me, even, like, now, like, with the Switch, I've grown fondness of just handhelds in general and then you know looking forward to that steam deck whenever those pre-orders come through yeah um you know i started off with the base blue model and then i i kind of went overboard i went into an xl that was blue and then i sold that when the animal crossing model came out for the xl and then now i use a the new 3ds xl with the sun and moon uh, legendaries on it and Got it's kind it, of yeah. like the main nice. so yeah i went i went through the uh war trenches of different 3ds's i guess you could say yeah i'm i'm, I'm slightly jealous of new 3ds players because for some reason the uh the, only the new versions like capital n new are the ones that have a virtual console for super nintendo games yes. so I, I i i was denied a chance to buy a sixth or seventh copy of Mega Man x but I'll, <laughs> i i uh i found it in my heart to forgive them i guess they're also the only they're also the only ones with that nifty little uh, thumb stick, which uh, a few right. games took advantage of. I've never used that. Uh, <laughs> if you play Monster Hunter on the 3DS, you definitely want that. But that's uh, 
maybe maybe that's another subject that'll come up because um listeners maybe you remember our episodes on the uh, on the GBA or DS or other console specific ones we're gonna have this in a roundtable format we have a giant list of 3ds games in front of all of us and we're gonna take turns discussing one specific game or series in turn uh, until we get tired or hungry and decide to end the episode so we'll see, we'll see how that goes um, does anyone want to want to take their first shot I can start off if you'd like go for it yeah, so I was going to say, um, let's start off with talking about the Pokemon games that came out on 3DS. Because, oh man, the 3DS had a killer lineup of Pokemon titles. Um, this was the beginning of both Generation 6 and Generation 7. Um, and I sort of credit Pokemon X and Y with getting me back into Pokemon. Um, just because I'd skipped the DS generations at the time. Um, they were the first fully 3D Pokemon games, um, uh, uh, starting a design trend that continues to this day. We got our Ruby and Sapphire remakes. We got Sun and Moon, and um, it's like enhanced editions, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Um, we even got um, the virtual console games, v- virtual console versions of the original Game Boy games, and those had restored the the version of crystal that came with that had restored content in it they um they gave they put in the celebi event and uh, uh, extremely conveniently uh like my old copy of pokemon gold a lot of them uh, had a ba- had battery packs well all of them had battery packs to have the internal clock of the uh of your save file run so it could have a day night cycle um though all of the <laughs> uh virtual console games on the 3ds that uh, basically just use the in, the 3ds's internal clock for for those day night cycles because uh, a lot of people that kept around those Game Boy games at when that battery pack died uh, the game was frozen at whatever time it was on the battery cap on the battery pack when it died so my my uh, copy of Pokemon Gold for the Game Boy Color is permanently frozen at 1:07 a.m. <laughs> um, which is a shame if you if you're trying to evolve an Espeon or something and uh, but. Uh, uh, the, the GBA games um, did not have a day-night cycle for uh, for maybe a similar reason. But uh, yeah, the, the uh, 3DS was very kind to Pokemon. Um, and uh, a, a lot of people love Gen 6 and 7. I, I think I like Gen 7 a little more than 6, but both of them had a lot of great monsters and a lot of uh, a lot of just cool ideas. It's they're, they're good. I played both of them. Yeah, I think it's some of the strongest designs we've ever gotten in Pokemon were in those two generations. Like, I'm just a big fan of, especially the the, the Pokemon they introduced in Alola. Like, there's just so much creativity in that setting. Alola also introduced all the regional variants, and I think that was that was a pretty cool introduction to the series, and I continued that on, but... Oh yeah, I mean, I Alolan Vulpix, like that's one of my favorites. I I love Alolan Alolan Vulpix and Alolan Sandtrue slash Sand Slash. He looks like Sonic the Hedgehog. Marowak, it's good as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just ref- taking old Pokemon and sort of refer- giving them a, an update um, with the region variants and also with Mega Evolutions. Um, yeah, and but- Mega Evolutions in Gen Six and Z moves in Gen Seven are both great, and I'm a little bit miffed that uh, Gen Eight didn't keep either of them. And but, I'm a uh, little bit miffed that Gen Nine will not have them either. But um, but but uh, one thing that Gen Eight did do that was pretty good was they added Galarian versions of a lot of old Pokemon continuing the tradition of alola which that was something i welcomed but uh yeah they're and they're continuing yeah. to do that too we've had he sweet forms we're getting um Hell yeah. forms it's like that's 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 a neat tradition that started on the 3ds 
I also think um, Gen Seven was was quite interesting as they you know they dropped gyms in favor of trials and like completely switched it up. And I think that was quite like a nice like breath of fresh air after like you know six generations of gyms. Yeah, absolutely. It's like oh, this Pokemon game actually has like boss fights. Um, that's interesting. And and, and the, it basically introducing uh, Alola as a region that didn't have the modern gym system, but instead had this you know had a different culture surrounding a coming of age ceremony and Pokemon trainers. Just 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 it it gave Alola as a as a place a little bit more character. I felt I I, I welcomed that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in gen- in general, like I think the Pokemon generations on the 3ds were fantastic ruby and sapphire um are some of my favorite games um so playing the 3d updates to those was really fun i really enjoy omega ruby and alpha sapphire uh my own really my only disappointment is that we never got a a proper pokemon z or a third version of gen 6 because i would have liked to see to explore kalos a little bit more but eh, oh well so the thing with me when I play Pokemon games, especially when I was younger, I would just play through with the main the main story, and then that was it. But you know, um, more recently when like Brilliant Diamond came out, I like to focus more on like you know the battle frontier and like you know the kind of like slight competitive um, format. So like going back and like I was just playing Ultra Sun um, a few months ago, and then Pokemon Crystal, and um, I found it like hard to um, I played Ultra Sun for the first time, but like in the older games like x and y and like um you know uh regular sun and moon hard to replay them because you know i look forward to like the end game content so like to go back and revisit the titles even though they were good to go through and enjoy you know the regions and you know the new pokemon stuff it kind of you know that replayability fades away from someone who like who enjoys the battles and for me, the battles only felt enjoyable in, in the post-game setting. So, like, looking back, it was, you know, fun to play them that one time. But I feel like with Pokemon games, unless, like, you know, it was your favorite one way back when, it's kind of hard to go back and keep revisiting them. I definitely get what you mean. I mean, with um, I think there's, there's a bit of a debate between which is better, Sun or Moon or Ultra Sun or Ultra Moon. And I think, like, the general consensus is the story in Sun and Moon is much better, but the ultra variants just excel everywhere else they've got like the rainbow rocket post game all of that yeah that's a fair way of putting it because i think with um i have speaking for friends that are into competitive pokemon they're very fond of ultra sun and ultra moon for all of the um the changes they made the additional post game those extra options but um for me personally i enjoyed playing through vanilla sun and moon more because it it doesn't help that I played Ultra Sun Ultra Moon less than a year later, but um, it but also like it just I thought that that, that version of the story was just a little more better told. Yeah. That's very fair. It's still interesting that um, it's not a sequel like Black Two and White Two were, and nor is it quite like a third a definitive third version like Emerald version. It's kind of Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon are very much their own beast. I think they're meant to be some sort of like almost like a parallel universe, like an alternation, like the story sort of like diverges at a certain point. Yeah, right, right, because it is pretty, it is pretty similar to the original experience up until a certain point in the story. I was gonna say like my experience is kind of like Peter's, uh, that I kind of fell off it in the DS era, and part of that was just that I grew up with the original two and three generations, and when I played them on the DS, it seemed like. It was the same a little bit better. 
uh, and X drew me in because it felt like a, a big leap forward. Uh, but really, the most fun I had on my 3DS was just getting to play Blue again. Uh, <laughs> like, it was the first time I had finished it in, gosh, I guess it was like 15 years, <laughs> at least oh. 10 years. Uh, so, like, that was when they gave me that opportunity, I, I leapt at it and didn't stop playing it. Uh, but I'm a very I, casual player. I don't do post game and I don't do any kind of competitive battling of any kind. I just play till the credits roll. I, I, I don't do a lot of uh, po- Pokemon post game or, or battling, but I did use this opportunity on the 3DS to replay Pokemon Red, uh, trade with a friend for some Pokemon Blue version monsters, and use the, uh, the RNG fly trick to catch a Mew. So I have a, I have a, I have a 151 file on Pokemon red in my 3ds and I'm, yeah, uh, I, I made uh, an I'm... attempt at Mewtwo and failed and then was like, I'm done. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, that's Pokemon. Uh, who wants to talk about another 3ds game or series that we have, uh, ready to go here? Yeah. Well, I mean, I can go next. Yeah, go for it. So, uh, one I played like really quite recently, actually, after Chrono Trigger was a uh, radiant historia, perfect cr- chronology. Oh. I think that it's quite an interesting it's an interesting game like it's got a quite cool like time travel concept and you can definitely see the draws from Chrono Trigger. Uh yeah, I mean it's a it's it's Atlas and not Square um but it does have a wonderful uh Yokoshimamura soundtrack and um listeners if you're familiar with Radiant Historia, you, we did do two episodes on Radiant Historia in early 2021. I think it was February or March of 2021. But uh please continue Tom. I don't really have loads to say on it, but I think um, it was just like it's interesting that they bought it because I've been I've been told that the DS version is actually like a better version, but I don't yeah. really know how people feel about that. I'm kind I am kind of of that opinion. Um, but it's it's not that perfect chronology is bad by any means. If that's the version you have to play, it's still a terrific game. It's more um, it, uh, I don't think people were very happy with the change to the art style. Um, which you can buy character portraits for as DLC that look like the old art style, but it's not quite the same. The old art style had a very distinctive look um, where it was kind of like Chiaroscuro-esque. Um, that's lost a little bit in perfect chronology. And of course, your mileage may vary about whether or not the new story content adds anything of value. Um, some people like it because it gives the story a definitive ending. Other people, like me, kind of prefer the ambiguity of the original game's ending. Yeah, the, the ending on the new storyline is a little bit bleaker, but uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. On the old storyline, it's a little bit bleaker, and in the new storyline, it's, uh, it's like Peter said, less ambiguous um, and, uh, and does sort of try to wrap it up in a bow nicely. And whether you, uh, whether you like that or don't depends on the player. But uh, the remix music is good. The slightly better functionality of the uh, of the of the game is good, and and it's still the same excellent game with some interesting grid based combat and uh, a lot of fun time travel manipulation because you're basically navigating two timelines based on the decision that you make early in the game, and what you affect in one timeline can affect the other. It gives you some a little bit of a you know uchikoshi vibes of remembering things from other timelines but <laughs> uh we maybe we'll talk about uchikoshi a little bit later but uh i mean both versions of radiant historia either ds or 3ds are both excellent and worth playing i i wholeheartedly recommend them it's a it's a very good game from a very fun era of atlas uh, uh josh or anthony have either of you played radiant historia unfortunately not 
maybe one of my biggest rpg regrets of the ds and 3ds era um it, the game was really rare on the ds it was very hard to find it um and so i never i never did and i was excited about the remake and it just got lost in everything else happening uh, and i never got around to it it, it Raiden Historia was kind of hard to come by when even when it was new on the original ds i remember it being pretty short printed um, but I was actually, I got it, I got it from my dad, um, who, um, on our way to a family Christmas event actually stopped at a GameStop, like in Indiana and picked me up a copy that he found. And I'm just like, oh, that was really sweet. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that, so, but yeah, it's, that game was, was pretty rare at the time and has only gotten harder to find now. Although it's not as hard as like some other 3DS games that we'll probably talk about later. <clears throat> Dragon Quest. <clears throat> I, I know what you're talking about, man. I have DDS copies of all the Dragon Quest and and Radiant Historia. But bro, I am I am kicking myself for selling some of my physical games. <laughs> I've, I, I'm a hoarder who buys all the RPGs. What can I tell you? But uh, let's talk about some other RPGs. Um, Anthony or Joshua, but not but not renowned boxer Anthony Joshua. Um, uh, what's something else on the list to discuss? Um, if I may, um, since we already mentioned it, um, Dragon Quest, um, Sargon Quest. Yes, exactly. So seven and eight specifically, like what I wanted to focus on is that when seven came out, I played it. And for me, a big thing of games is, um, character customization or just general like cosmetic customization. And, um, you know, I, I'm more, as you mentioned in a past Retro Encounter episode, uh, gameplay over story, I'm more of like a gameplay person. But, you know, if there's a story involved, then it, you know, it goes even more for me. And um, 7, to me, kind of fell flat in like how <clears throat> um, interesting the story was. And um, to get to the class system, which for me was the customization aspect, I was about 20 hours in. And I still, and I remember looking on the back of the cover and I remember saying that, you know, the class system was like a highlight and I still wasn't at that yet. And I got to a point where I was stuck and I just kind of gave up on the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, backing up a little bit, Dragon Quest Seven was a PlayStation 1 game and it is the longest and most uh, laborious Dragon Quest game. I think, I think a typical playthrough is over 100 hours. But for the DS remake, they truncated things like experience values a little bit and there's really no load times to speak of. So it's much shorter. It, you playing all the same content with only a little bit of story changes. It's uh, about sixty or seventy hours, but you still don't get those classes and that uh, that gameplay customization and visual interest from classes until about the one third mark. So <laughs> maybe you were close to unlocking them. But I they do, probably it, was. Yes. But uh, but yeah, Dragon Quest Seven takes a while to get cooking. But it is it's it's I I uh, my I've maybe repeated this on podcasts before. Uh, Dragon Quest Seven is good Dragon Quest, but it's also the most Dragon Quest, and there's good and bad to that. And then I'll uh, just quickly going sorry um to eight. I just started playing that again. I always did like the first dungeon and then just stopped, but um I picked it up again like a couple like a week ago, and I've been more especially compared to seven, just more invested in the story and the characters. Plus, you know, there's the voice acting in that game, so the characters feel more um colored and um you know the being thrown right into the conflict instead of like in seven waiting the first hour till you actually get into combat or any of those um aspects was it just made eight more refreshing and sure. kind of feel superior in the short amount of time that i've played it eight is uh it's the only dragon quest i've played but it is it's such a good game and <laughs> i mean 
I mean, considering, like, I never had a PS2, so it was the first time I ever got to play the game. And, I mean, I think just the characters in general, like, it's a really, like, charming game and it has an incredible soundtrack. It, Dragon Quest Eight is a masterpiece, uh, in my opinion. Like, that is one of the best games in that series. Um, and I did play it on the PS2, um, or rather, I played the first couple hours and the Final Fantasy XII demo disc. Uh, my sister actually got further in the PS2 game than I did, fun fact. Um, but I revisited it with the 3DS version, which makes so many quality of life upgrades. And it is just absolutely... If you can find a copy, because that game got really rare really fast. Oh, weird. I, would, I, I, have my, my, I have my copy sitting right here next to me. That's weird. It, hmm. it, 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 was, it, was, it came out at the tail end of the 3DS's life cycle, and I think that they only did like one print run of it. So now it is extremely hard to come by a physical copy of Dragon Quest VIII. Um, uh, I got. I ended up getting it digitally, um, just because I was like, oh, I don't want to pay those eBay prices. <laughs> yeah, but I was quite lucky. I got it in a. I think I got it secondhand at like a used game store, like quite quite cheap. Yeah, That's I nice. think I got lucky and got it just before it disappeared, but it's still sealed. And I also looked at those eBay prices, and now wonder if I should ever open it. <laughs> I mean, you never know with these things, man. I'm just, I'm hoping the used game market will like crash after a while because I just, I want to afford these games, guys. Um, but yeah, in, in a very odd coincidence, um, I, I, I did buy Dragon Quest Seven and Eight 3DS remakes right when they came out to to nobody's surprise and and beat both of them to nobody's surprise. Absolutely uh, not. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was my first time finishing Dragon Quest Seven because I got lost in the sauce of that PS One version in, in the somewhere in the thirty to forty hour neighborhood before getting lost or confused or bored or some combination of those. But I so I, but I finally knocked it out for real um, when I played the 3DS version in. Oh shoot! Whenever it came out in 2016 or 17, I don't, I don't maybe before then. I don't remember the exact year, but uh, my most expensive game that I own is a 3DS game. But it's not it's not uh, any of the ones we've discussed yet. We will get to that one eventually. Uh, but I mean, again, I, I'm almost well known as being a Dragon Quest guy, so I was thrilled to replay uh, eight and uh, finish seven for the first time on the 3DS. Um, by having enemies visible on the field instead of as random battles, it makes um, sort of just managing combat way easier. Uh, the like uh, the the remixed visuals and sound look great. The ex- the small amount of extra content in both of them is awesome. Uh, you get two new party members in eight, which is huge, and uh, and you you can see how many points you need for a new uh, skill upgrade when you put in skill points in eight is is also huge. And there's also uh, like a twenty five percent faster animations uh setting for both yes, of them in battle yeah and, and so just speeding up battles after you've seen animations at normal speed once because you'll be going in and into the and out of those battles a lot is very very welcome a lot of modern remakes have a feature like that and i enjoy it 10 times out of 10 so uh yeah these dragon quest remakes maybe they're hard to find now but they from a dragon quest fanboy they are strongly recommended Okay, so the, that's about it for Dragon Quest on the 3DS. Uh, Josh, let's have you talk about the series that I'm probably expecting you to talk about. Yeah, it's time to talk about Zelda. Uh, I guess we've been talking about series, so we're probably going to go ahead and talk about all of these. Uh, so uh, the main reason that I buy most hardware is to play Zelda games. And uh, so the Ocarina of Time remake was the uh, the selling point. Uh, I didn't actually buy a 3DS until after it had been released. <laughs> just putting ocarina time out again uh a little prettier a little fixed up some extra buttons uh, 
I, like, I think it is the definitive version of Ocarina of Time. Uh, and, uh, and now it's really the, I'll still play both versions, but it's the version I go back to. Um, and, uh, and, and I was also happy to see just jump in a little bit, uh, the return of top down Zelda, uh, you know, like between worlds, what, two years later, maybe not even two years later, uh, was just a huge surprise, uh, that I think has, uh, hopefully given some hope that that, that form of Zelda wasn't gone forever. Uh, at that point it had been, uh, almost 10 years since we had seen a true top-down Zelda. We had the DS games that were, you know, a little different, but you're referring to the time between uh, uh, Minish Cap and and uh, and, and, and Link Between Worlds and, yeah. and Link Between Worlds. Okay, yeah, because I was I wasn't sure if we should count the the Four Swords version of uh, of Link to the Past or not. But yeah, yeah, I, I know I know where you mean. Right. Uh, so the Minish Cap being the last like proper two D top down Zelda that wasn't. Uh, I don't know how to classify the DS games. Uh, I like them just fine, but <laughs> they're a little different. They they're not quite either. Um, and, but no, so it just, the way it fixes up Ocarina of Time fixed up everything that people complained about in Ocarina of Time, essentially. Uh, and a link between worlds was just sort of a, Hey, remember a link to the past here. It is maybe a little better depending on who you talk to. Uh, and yeah, it just was, a it, the, the 3ds is just it's one of the best pieces of hardware to play Zelda games. It just is. Um, uh, even if you don't like something about this particular remake or not, um, uh, there's just not uh, before the switch, even maybe it still, it still plays more games than the switch does Zelda games. Uh, yeah. Like I'm still waiting on, I was kind of hoping that uh, Ocarina 3d and Majora's 3d would get ported to switch, like maybe an HD facelift. Um, I know that's like a pipe dream. Because, like you said, I do also agree that these are the definitive... Ocarina is the definitive version of that game. And Majora's Mask is a little more divisive because I know it makes some changes to the boss fights. I got into such a big argument with a friend about, about that um, in college. But um, I They're still... That was, I know. This is... I know. I know. This is, I've only played the Majora's 3D and I had a blast with it. I thought that was a good way to experience that game. So I would really like it if they preserved these versions... Um, beyond the 3ds's lifespan because they're just really really quality uh and yeah and we've i think we've talked extensively about link between worlds elsewhere as well but that is a delightful 2d zelda game that also makes really good use of the 3ds's features um if you're playing it on a 3d compatible system you can actually use depth of field um in some areas of the game and it's like really really neat effect yeah, it's not ugly 3D. It looks like you're sort of staring down into a diorama, and it's 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 somewhat gentle 3D on uh on Link Between Worlds. It's I I usually play 3DS games with the 3D off, but it's actually really good in Link Between Worlds. Shockingly, and uh, I mean I'll just put my cards on the table here. Uh, Link Between Worlds is my favorite Zelda game. I love it. It takes the uh the Link to the Past map, which is a really well designed map, makes a few interesting wrinkles to it, like switching the locations of of Turtle Rock and the Ice Palace for just for two um but also introducing weird semi-non-linearity by having you rent and buy all of the weapons available right from the beginning except for uh except for one which you have to beat some dungeons first before you can get it permanently but but just like it's a it's a twist on one of the most beloved older zelda games with great dungeon design 
uh, a really solid Zelda story and likable main characters and uh, like twinges of nonlinearity that make it a much less uh, corridor kind of experience than uh, than some of the you know Zelda games of the previous generation that maybe held your hand a little bit too much. And, th- and if that sounds like a slight amount of shade at Skyward Sword, that's totally fair. But um, again, and not only the ones that uh, that Josh and Peter mentioned, um, you can play um, the Oracle duo of Zelda games and uh, and uh, Link's Awakening DX and uh, and I think the Super Nintendo version of Link to the Past if you have a new 3DS on the system. And those are great versions as well. I mean, it's this is a fantastic Zelda machine. The the Legend of Zelda and the Adventure of Link are also on there. Um, and uh, And that's not even to mention that the 3DS is backward compatible with the DS. So the physical That's also true, yeah. games on the DS are there. Uh the Four Swords Anniversary Edition was re-released on the 3DS. That was um, super good. And then if you have the Ambassador system, uh you can play the Minish Cap on it. Uh so just like so- you can play the majority of the Zelda series on your 3ds the majority i'm still i'm still bummed they never made the ambassador program like accessible right. to more people because i want to play minish cap yeah uh it is on the wii u that's a different podcast though yeah uh, i know i don't have my wii u anymore uh, <laughs> but uh no, I, I was going to say, uh, I hadn't talked about Majora's Mask very much, and earlier we mentioned the little thumbstick, actually. Uh, one of the big improvements to Majora's Mask was it added a free-roaming camera uh, when played on the new 3DS. That's true. Uh, and Ocarina of Time still has never even had that. There is no version of Ocarina of Time with a free-roaming camera. Um, and so like that was a major improvement to Majora's Mask, despite some of the controversial changes elsewhere. Um and so that was just if you have a new 3ds absolutely changes the way you play the game makes the game just feel better um and then uh but yeah you mentioned the oracle games also those had never been re-released uh except on the 3ds um uh, i recently replayed both of them in fact i've I've played both of them this year uh nice we did a Zelda month in uh, 2018, and I used that opportunity to replay replay both of yeah. them on the 3DS that year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was actually the first time I had ever replayed Oracle of Ages. Um, and uh, I think they've aged remarkably well for being Game Boy uh, Zelda games. Um, my opinion of them used to be a little lower. Uh, not- notably, I had not replayed Oracle of Ages in a very long time. Uh, but I-, I thought they were great. And so the 3DS is just it's awesome for playing all of this. Um, it's a little unfortunate that things like four swords were limited edition. Uh, and that, you know, Majora's mask has just enough changes to make people that grew up with the N64 version frequently dislike it. Uh, I'm glad Ocarina of time doesn't have the same kind of controversial take on it, but, uh, and then of course, a link to the past being locked behind the new three DS is a little annoying. Oh, and, and, and listeners, if, if if it sounds like I'm uh, I'm poking too much fun at uh, at Josh for loving Zelda so much, uh, Josh, you are uh, high level staff at ZeldaUniverse.net, correct? Yes, I'm one of the webmasters of ZeldaUniverse.net. That's why I was maybe making pointed comments about that, listeners, because we probably I don't think I introduced you as a uh, as as shared staff between RPG fan and Zelda Universe. Sorry, no, dude. that's fine. <laughs> uh, 
did we did you mention um triforce heroes in our oh little... actually we had not thank you i'm glad you mentioned I, it i yeah. often forget about that game but i i don't i don't think it was bad by any means no i like that game uh i like it a lot more than a lot of people do uh like i i like playing it by myself uh, a lot of people will not play it single player at all uh i think it is more fun single player <laughs> especially given nintendo's online infrastructure <laughs> Um, even, like <laughs> I've even had trouble with like local multiplayer not working right, uh, where and because the game has no drop in drop out mechanic. If someone's connection dies, you get kicked out. It doesn't matter if you're fighting the final boss, you get kicked out. That's frustrating. Uh, so playing the game solo can be difficult sometimes. Um, you know, if you want to imagine something, you can imagine having to control three different links at the same time while balancing on like a platform that shifts by weight. <laughs> um, so there's some of that kind of puzzle mechanics that are difficult to manage. But but yeah, I think it's actually a really fun Zelda game, especially if you just like Zelda for its dungeons. Uh, all of the multiplayer Zelda games are basically just dungeon after dungeon after dungeon since they're stage-based. Um, so- I was a, a big fan of um, you know the customization of um you know the different links mm-hmm. and you know i think the outfits were a nice change because it differentiated from like yes obviously looked very much like link between worlds but like it added added a spin to it and um i don't know about everybody else but i only i played it mostly with um strangers online i felt like it mostly worked and i don't remember i mean it was a while ago but i don't remember having too many technical issues with um online play but you know it was was a while ago i feel like i did like beat that main the main boss lady like once but i know there was still more to do and i just kind of stopped at that point oh yeah there's still parts of that game i've never played they did like a whole dlc pack with uh like eight entire worlds full of stages that i don't know that i've played a single one of them still I didn't know that I even existed. Um, yeah, there's like uh, they like doubled the amount of content in the game. Uh, so there's a lot to play there. Um, I did want to uh, mention on a link between worlds uh, about how like open ended it is. It is almost a baby one of those baby steps toward Breath of the Wild. Yeah, know? absolutely is uh, mm-hmm. because like uh, Solosi mentioned the Skyward Sword backlash on handholding, and then they just kept taking these steps toward taking all of that away um mm-hmm. and and you could see that immediately uh, a link between worlds is really when they started the developers started talking about uh changing the zelda formula and you know revisiting the basics and all of those things yeah it, it's it's i mean comparing it to breath of the wild is unfair a little bit because breath of the wild is so beautifully non-linear that i'm not sure there's been a game like it since but uh but a link between worlds does have interesting non-linearity at uh with the most of the game especially the bulk of the second half basically they signpost you to all of the available dungeons and the player can can has to complete them to beat the game but can do with but can do them in in almost any order that they want with almost as much freedom of equipment selection as they want and uh choosing your items and upgrading them is about as satisfying as it as you know a a Zelda weapon or item upgrade system has been by like, like even just changing the hammer to the nice hammer feels powerful and awesome in link between worlds. But I mean, there's been, there's a lot of Zelda on three DS. I, uh, uh, we're almost ready to move on. Uh, uh, Tom, um, have you played any of these? Yeah. So like the three DS was sort of my introduction to Zelda as a franchise, to be honest. I mean, it was the first time I played both 
Ocarina and Majora's Mask uh, and Link Link Between Worlds was my first Zelda game. So yeah, I mean in that <laughs> respect the 3DS is pretty important to my like love for Zelda, but I think um Link Between Worlds is a really really good like introduction to the series because like you say it's it's pretty non-linear and you can just sort of choose where you pick and go, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I hear you. Uh, it's it really did move that series forward, and it and uh, hey, you could you could do worse for an introduction to the Zelda series than owning a 3DS. Uh, yeah, I I've been alluding to uh, you being able to play a lot of Zelda games on the 3DS. I finally just looked it up and counted it. Uh, there are 19 main series Zelda games, and 14 wow. of them 14 of them can be played on the 3DS. That's ha. pretty amazing. Twilight Princess fans are furious. Twilight Princess, uh, the, win, hurt, uh, the Wind Waker, <laughs> Four Swords Adventures, and Skyward Sword, and Breath of the Wild. Those are the ones you can't play. <laughs> I, I I would play a Breath of the Wild D-Make for 3DS. That sounds interesting to me. I would play a Breath of the Wild D-Make on anything. Yeah, but... Yeah, I'd uh, be valid. I would, um, this, this is uh, Zelda adjacent. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this. But um, Grezzo, the company that made... Um, ocarina 3d and majora's 3d also made um ever oasis which was a really interesting dungeon crawler type game that was kind of like a cross between 3d zelda and um saiken densetsu um it really felt like it was kind of an interesting middle ground between those those two series and it was quite it was a delightful game i thought Hmm, okay i mean i know gretzo does a lot of nintendo porting stuff didn't they also do the Link's awakening remake for switch yeah, they yes. did, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Oh, good for that. Uh, so yeah. I never got a chance to play Ever Oasis. Uh, I had friends who enjoyed it, uh, so I'm pretty sure that was well-received. Uh, if I else. may, um, on the Ever Oasis point, um, I don't know if any of you have played Fantasy Life before, which I felt like, which is a game I played a lot. I, I have played. I have played that. That's a that's um, basically Harvest Moon slash Animal Crossing with class changing and dungeon running to a degree. Yes, I, I was a big fan of that game. I played it um by myself, but um, you know, I Ever Oasis came out much later than that game did, uh, and the 3DS's lifespan. And I I felt like at the time that it it was very close to at least the gameplay wise to Fantasy Life already. That I kind of I felt it was okay to skip that game, in my opinion. So that was. Uh, Zelda and Ever Oasis and Fantasy Life all c- covered there. Uh, I-, I guess it's my turn. Um, hmm. I mean, if I don't say this, then who else is going to? No, 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 I'm not going there, Peter. Uh, I'm, oh, let's, okay. Let's talk about uh, math professors and anime lawyers. Well, that was the uh, that was the other obvious choice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, the Professor Layton series and the Ace Attorney series both had their Western debuts on the regular DS. Uh, the first three Ace Attorney games, or Gyakuten Saiban, Comeback Courtroom, or Turnabout Courtroom in Japan, were GBA games, but then their DS remakes uh, were released worldwide. There were, uh, let's see, four Phoenix Wright games and four Professor Layton games on the DS. Uh, Phoenix Wright are, you know, they are adventure games with dialogue puzzles uh, where you're a, a lawyer. Uh, assault, like defending people from murder while the professor Layton games 
Uh, you are a archaeology professor named Herschel Layton going on adventures throughout the world and solving puzzles, sometimes because you th you're thinking about puzzles and sometimes because you need to unlock some ancient door to an ancient treasure or thereabouts. But both of those series continued on the 3DS with some of their best games. Uh, it, uh, Ace Attorney's 5 and 6, which are Dual Destinies and Spirit of Justice, are uh, were both uh, download exclusives in North America. I don't, I don't believe you can get a box copy of those. But uh, they were two very, very good uh, Ace Attorney games. They uh, one the first one introduces a new main character named Athena Sykes, and uh, the sixth one sort of gives you a lot of closure with the uh, with the um, Mia Fey story. I'm sorry, the Maya Fey storylines from the original Ace Attorney games, and uh, gives you closure with uh, Apollo Justice's uh, story arc from uh, the fourth Ace Attorney game. So if if you're an Ace Attorney fan. I, I like I would probably recommend the original trilogy before the 3DS ones, but they're all really, really good. And the, there isn't a, a release for the original trilogy on multiple other systems. You, you might even be able to play them on 3DS. I'd have to check and see if that's an available download. But uh, like the entire DS and 3DS library of Ace Attorney is excellent. And especially Spirit of Justice, the last one, I think, is a particularly good one. But uh, moving on to Professor Layton, the first four Professor Layton games were DS games, but then the fifth and sixth ones, which were uh, Miracle Mask and Azran Legacy, are 3DS exclusives. They're both really good. Azran Legacy is sort of a uh, lighter on the puzzles and heavy on weird globe-trotting storylines that I, 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 I think is maybe below average, but, but Miracle Mask is a really good one. I wholeheartedly recommend both of those especially since the fourth uh, Layton game on 3D on regular DS was a little disappointing. Um, but again, I, I love the original Layton trilogy and the two on 3DS were worthy successors. But the reason I bring these two up at the same time <laughs> is because uh, there was a crossover game, um, uh, Layton versus Wright for the 3DS. And uh, that game is totally bonkers. You take turns controlling each of them and you're in a, a, a community that is very superstitious and threatened by witches in this game. And instead of uh, courtroom trials for the Ace Attorney segments, you have to defend people from witch trials and uncover a crazy witch conspiracy. And it, it, it seems like for a while, Leighton and Wright are adversaries, but they eventually come together at the end because, of course, they do. But it is a bonkers storyline uh, and really, really fun twist on on both Ace Attorney and Professor Layton gameplay that is absolutely worth playing if you're a fan of both series. But like, it, it probably shouldn't be someone's first Layton or first Ace Attorney game just because you'll you'll have a lot of questions if, if that's the case. Uh, and and also the the follow up to the Layton uh, uh, puzzle games uh, after Azran Legacy ends the Herschel Layton story, there is a uh, a Catriel Layton succession with his with a, I believe it's Herschel Layton's adoptive daughter who's the main character of a series called Lady Layton that's had a couple of 3DS games. I haven't played those, but I totally can vouch for the uh, two Ace Attorney, two Professor Layton, and one Layton versus Ace Attorney game on the 3DS. So that was a very long monologue. I apologize. But uh, do we have any Ace Attorney or Professor Layton fans in the house? So I uh, actually have only played Layton versus right of the three games. Uh, oh, I've played I played uh at least half of the original trilogy of right. So I really went into it as a as a, a right game, an ace attorney uh, game. Okay, but you, you were probably uh, a little confused with all the yes. having all the Layton stuff um, thrown at you at once. Yeah, so it was I never finished it. It was a weird experience for sure. 
but it is a definitely a very interesting twist on the ace attorney model of you being thrown into these witch trials and they don't care about logic at all and you're like well here i can prove all of this and they're like yeah but she's a witch she could just make that appear or make that disappear whenever she wants <laughs> um and so that was just a really interesting twist on on the series uh that honestly i wouldn't mind them returning to do something like that again um i don't know if there's a more fantasy ace attorney series out there um hmm how do i put this uh there are two other ace attorney games for 3ds that i didn't mention are you referring to great ace attorney chronicles in in fact i am uh they were they never came out in the united states or worldwide but were released in a Switch compilation last year, The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Yeah, that's unfortunately another game still sitting sealed on my shelf. <laughs> now, but if you've listened to a podcast with Nikki Fukuri in it, then you definitely know a little bit about Ace Attorney Chronicles, or sorry, Great Ace Attorney, because she adores those games. And they do bring a couple things from Leighton versus Wright into those, because there is a sort of jury manipulation and jury uh, and, and sort of jury opinion um, gameplay in the trials in those games that I think are a more evolved version of the direct jury contact stuff that you do in the witch trials in Leighton versus Wright. So it's it, it's not a fantasy game. Uh, if anything, there's less there's more fantasy in Old Ace Attorney than there is in Great Ace Attorney because Old Ace Attorney has spirit mediums and people uh, transforming in other people. Get, they get pretty wild. Um, <laughs> and and Spirit of Justice, the the last Ace Attorney game, the which is also in 3DS. There's a gameplay mechanic where a spirit medium will conjure the last moments of the vic- murder victim, and you have to analyze the last moments of a murder victim like you're looking at police video to get to glean evidence from it. It's completely bonkers, um, but uh, but it's fun bonkers and not uh, and not offensive bonkers. I, I I don't think Wright versus Layton should be your first Ace Attorney or Professor Layton game, but these are but these five games uh, seven if you want to include Great Ace Attorney, which again is only on the Switch if you're uh, playing a legal copy in English. Uh, all of them come recommended. Uh, and if you're like me and at very at different times in your life was obsessed with those games and you want to play all of them, they're, they're some of the good ones. Before diving into the 3DS ones, I would recommend you play the uh, original Ace, Trilogy, uh, Ace Attorney trilogy first because those are timeless classics. Yeah, I really like the, the first Ace Attorney game. The, the second one... Is a, has some missteps in it, especially the circus case with the really obnoxious clown in it. But uh, but but the, but the third ace, the third ace attorney uh, is one of the best ones again. So, uh, but yeah, the less we talk about turnabout big top, the better. But uh, um, uh, Peter, Anthony, or Tom, uh, do we like have it? Uh, any of you guys indulged in Professor Attorney Leighton Wright? I'll be completely honest. I have never played any of them. Yeah, sadly, I haven't either. I mean, there's a lot of them. I've already mentioned over a dozen games in in that one and a half spiels I dropped. So it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big ask. I definitely mean to get. I definitely mean to um, try them at some point. And um, I do remember Steph, uh, Derek, and I went to this really cute Professor Layton pop up cafe they had at E3 2017, and then we got a surprise appearance from. Um, uh, who's that guy? Who's the guy who's in charge of level five? Uh, Akihiro Hino, I believe is his name. Okay, cool. Um, anyway, that was a really, that was a really fun uh, state trip, and we got some cute little stickers themed after uh, the first Lady Layton game. 
Yeah, we already we already have a lot of level five DNA in this podcast because they uh, co-developed Dragon Quest Eight uh, along a few other along the regular Armor Studio, Bird Studio people, and mm-hmm. uh, and and they direct they've developed every Professor Layton game plus some yeah. other 3DS games that we might yet talk about and that we already have talked about like Fantasy Life. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, the level five was very prolific um, during this era, and I miss them so much. So. So um, I I bought Miracle Mask um when it came out around that time digitally because um Nintendo on the eShop they had a promotion where if you got like a specific um game out of a certain set um you could get Donkey Kong like Classic Edition like from the arcade which really wasn't anything special but young me was like I had to have this so um I bought it and surprisingly I liked it a lot and that was the time when I was running into puzzle games that much but um. It was it was enjoyable the puzzle aspect and I wasn't I can't really tell you much about the story because it was a while ago. Um, Miracle Mask goes into Herschel's past a little bit. You meet his parents and his childhood best friend, and it continues the the second trilogy storyline with his uh, his new assistant and a few other things. But I I, I think uh, of the fourth fifth sixth Layton games, uh, Miracle Mask is maybe the best one. It's a but and but I mean I mean really all of these puzzle latent games are just a vehicle to play between 80 and 100 numbers and sliding and visual and uh, and visual spot the difference puzzles <laughs> i remember the ending that stuck out to me because i was confused and um that was that was about it with that and um i just i haven't picked up the series again not because i didn't like it just because i just it's like it's like a middle of the road kind of game in my interest um I, I think the more you play Leighton, the more invested you get in him as a character and like them more. There's also there's also an animated Leighton movie, which is weirdly a story p- a point in Azran Legacy. Like they, the the, the end at the ending of uh, of uh, um, the the fourth and fifth Leighton games. There's a there's like a, a mysterious door moves, and also that happens at the end of the Leighton movie. And they so like. If you haven't seen the Layton movie, then Azran Legacy is harder to understand, which is which I get, which again is a little bit weird and gatekeepery of them. But uh, if if you invest yourself in these games and love uh, logic and number and word puzzles, then uh, again, Layton is very highly recommended. Now, um, I did watch the uh, Ace Attorney anime back when that was on Crunchyroll. I haven't been on there in a while, and I did enjoy that a lot. But I've never played any of those games. Oh, if you if you um. If you like the films of Takashi Miike, uh, not not his horror films, but his weird video game adaptations, yes. uh, he did he did a live action Ace Attorney movie. <laughs> that's a yes. that, that, that that's a fairly faithful recreation of the first, second, and fourth cases from the uh, from the first Ace Attorney. <laughs> Takashi Miike is an absolute madman. He is I a complete him. madman. Oh my god! It's like he he does one horror movie, and it's like the scariest Japanese horror movie they ever made. He yeah. he does. He he does one crime movie and it's a mo- like twenty five years ago and people still talk about Ichi the Killer nowadays. It's the, the guy's in, is insane. That dude has pumped out a hundred movies in about a thirty year career. Um, for a while there, he was putting out five a year, and recently he has um, dialed it back to a much more reasonable three. Like Takashi Miike is a workhorse and he's insane, and the Ace Attorney movie is incredible. And I, I should also mention, because I don't think I'm allowed to, t- to be on a podcast without uh, mentioning Yakuza, he directed the Yakuza Japanese live-action movie. He did. And the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure live-action movie. Holy and, moly. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, and Blade of the Immortal, which is awesome. 
Do we, do we have to do a new show called the Takashi Me Cast, Peter? Because I'd be, bro, I'd I've be been, down. Bro, bro, I've been wanting to do a movie podcast with you for like forever. We'll, think, we'll, we'll get on this. We'll get on this some point. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, I, I mean, I'll have to Google Takashi Me Cast before we release this episode and uh, and and at least secure a Twitter handle for it. But okay, if I'm t- if we're talking about um, potential Twitter handles of podcasts that don't exist yet, I think we probably need to move on a little bit. Um, let's yes. do one. Let's do one more round of 3DS favorites. Uh, same order as before, which means it's your turn, Peter. All right. So I kind of wanted to um, get ahead of some games that I'm not extremely fond of, but I know a lot of people are, and they are very important games in the 3DS's lifespan. The Fire Emblem series was sort of brought back to life on the 3DS. Um, Fire Emblem Awakening is was the first game on the 3ds to be released that in in the fire emblem series and it was if i understand correctly sort of intended as a swan song for the series in case they didn't get to make another one i believe nintendo did say it like this is it if it doesn't sell like it's done that's right. Um, uh, roughly speaking, Fire Emblem Awakening is the thirteenth one, and the the eleventh and twelfth games were DS, but this uh, number twelve never released worldwide, and uh, and had they had disappointing sales, especially for being on the three DS um, on the regular DS, which was a moneymaker. And Fire Emblem Eleven was uh, no, I'm sorry, Fire Emblem Ten was uh, uh the Wii one. Um, uh, uh, Radiant Dawn. Uh, Radiant Dawn. Yeah, and yeah. and, and Ra- Radiant Dawn did not sell gangbusters either. So there there were a series of Fire Emblem disappointments before Awakening, but then Awakening was maybe the most popular one they've ever made prior to Three it, Houses. Yeah, Definitely. it really it really took off, and a big part of that is I I, I know that I sort of preface this by saying I don't like these games. That's not a hundred percent true. I like Fire Emblem, and I liked Fire Emblem Awakening a lot. I think it's got a delightful cast. I think the gameplay is really fun. I think it looks great for the system, even though all the character models don't have feet. Um, <laughs> I think I think the dating the dating simulator. Should, I know, like my, no feet, zero out of ten. I'm just kidding, but um, I think the dating sim aspects are actually very well handled. And if you're gonna work in a weird time travel plot as an excuse to have your child characters join the party that actually kind of works for me. Um, it's really the game. It's the follow-up to Awakening that I dislike, um, which I've talked about before on this podcast. Oh, boy. Fire, Fire, Fire Emblem Fates is everything I don't like about Fire Emblem in one game and in three games, if you want to get technical about it. And yeah, I guess that's, that put me off of the series to the point that I still haven't played Echoes and I was very hesitant to pick up Three Houses. Um, I did. I did end up liking Three Houses, though. I, I'm so I'm not, maybe not the most qualified person to talk about Fire Emblem on this podcast, but I do have very strong opinions about Fates. Um, is there anyone else on this on this who um, show who has like more experience with these games that wants to talk about? I, I can't say I have more experience with Fates. I actually have a very similar experience to you again. Uh, that like uh, Awakening, uh, we haven't actually mentioned Awakening. Maybe became the success it became because they finally put in easy mode to remove yes death. yes uh, the like, casual options and like i always liked fire emblem i was really excited on the game boy advance when it came to north america finally uh but i am not a pro gamer so to say uh the <laughs> permadeath mechanic to me is just kind of an annoyance because it doesn't add 
it doesn't add something to the gameplay. It's not like the story branches if someone dies or that there's it's just a you need to hit reset. Like it is essentially yeah. a game over if someone dies. Um and so that never added anything. It just made me feel like I wasted an hour because the final boss of the stage got a 1% crit chance and killed my character. Uh and mm-hmm. so but that, I did. That's why really you got that's why, got, that's why you got to reload your save. <laughs> Right. Either reload uh, your save or suck it up, but not everyone wants to do that. But but I was also very put off by Fates um, to the point that I have still not played any other Fire Emblem game. Um, and uh, because it is essentially three houses sold as three separate games. Uh, I'll out myself as someone who's played way too much Fire Emblem. I've, I've, I've finished uh, something like six or seven of them. I... Uh, I played a couple of the Japan only ones, uh, namely uh, G- Generations of the Holy War and uh, Sealed Sword, and uh, all the GBA ones and a, and uh, Path of Radiance for the GameCube might be my overall favorite. But uh, I I was disappointed by Shadow Dragon for the DS. Never really tried Radiant Dawn for the Wii, and Awakening is what got me back into it. I adored Fire Emblem Awakening when it came out. I uh, unlocked all the child characters. And, uh, and put an incredible amount of time into that game. And when we're talking, listeners, if you're unfamiliar with Fire Emblem Awakening, uh, you, you play through the first 10 chapters of the story like a normal Fire Emblem game. You're a prince trying to um, save your kingdom. There's a there's a, a megalomaniacal threat. But then a mysterious person um, uh, sort of arrives and outs herself as Lucina, uh, the main character, Krom's daughter from the future. Because, because there's a there's a an, an, a post an apocalypse occurs at, at at some future point, and uh, the future of Fire Emblem Awakening is is dark and broken. So Lucina went back in time to the past to try and uh, and prevent that future. And as you play the continue playing the game, if two of your main characters uh, fall in love and marry, then a new quest unlocks where their child from the future jumps jumps back in time, and you can recruit them. And depending on how you play, you know, you get to be Emma Woodhouse and play matchmaker with all of your, uh, uh, with all of your characters. I mean, I mean, I don't know if anyone was expecting a Jane Austen reference in this podcast, but here we are. And uh, I'll take it. Yeah, and um, and you play matchmaker, and based on what characters marry who, which other characters, uh, their their child will have different hair color and different stats and different available classes, and it can get real weird. Um, uh, assembling a team of parents and future children. And and it, but that mostly worked. It was a, a little bit like Terminator, uh, but um, it it was unique and fun, and a little bit like uh, Gen- Generations of the Holy War for the Super Famicom, where uh, the first half is parent characters, and the second half of the game are the children of people from the first half. And uh, depending on who marries who in the first half, the children will be different. So that's it's kind of like a reference to that uh, 1996 classic Fire Emblem. But Fates, the follow up which had uh, uh, incredible hype because Awakening was so huge, does the curious uh, Pokemon Red-Blue thing of having two different versions where you follow one army or the other, and they're uh, called the Conquest Path or the Birthright Path, and, uh, and, and, and you, you're an adopted child of these two families or two kingdoms, and no matter which one you pick, your siblings are weirdly way attracted to you in a way that I did not love. Uh, and, uh, but, and, but the storyline is so disjointed and weird and they really lean on to lean into the, anyone can marry anyone, uh, dialogue choices and fates, which, which makes it like the thirstiest cast of maybe any RPG that I've ever played, which is saying something. And, uh, and it just rubs me the whole, the wrong way totally. And there's also a third path called, uh, 
called, I think it's Revelations or Revelation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And which which sort of is walking the middle and uh and preventing war rather than choosing one side. And I mentioned earlier that uh my most expensive game that I own is a 3DS game. It's I, I bought the special edition of Fates when it came out. Um, because I because I loved Awakening so much, and it's the one that has the Revelations DLC baked in, and also Birthright and uh, and Conquest on oh, the same nice. disc, and that thing yeah. goes for like five hundred dollars nowadays. That's a, that's that's actually my main complaint. I actually didn't know those story <laughs> details that are problematic. Uh, yeah, but the they're they're just, worse than I'm making them sound. Yeah, just the business yeah. aspect of it of like you own a copy of that game that has all three versions on it but you had to buy them all individually uh if you weren't one of the lucky few um and and they sold it for so much more to put them all on the same disc despite the fact that it all was essentially one game uh that was what always bothered me about it it was something like i don't remember exactly but i I think i paid 80 or 90 bucks for it and this was in this was in 2015 2016 range it's... I mean, it also kind of sucks from a preservation standpoint. I mean, like with the eShop closing, like you had to be one of the lucky few to to get that cartridge. You know? I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think. I mean, um, Revelations was DLC, but I don't think you can get Revelations anymore now. No, the true, the true ending of that game will be lost until they someday re-release it. Yeah, and I mean, it's and 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 I mean, the 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 the, the cynical mean part of me wants to be like, well, no great loss, but it is a loss, like even the loss of bad art is still a blow to preservation. Um, and I think it's a damn shame. But 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 to turn this into a compliment sandwich a little bit, I mean, Awakening Good, Fate's Bad, Echoes, Shadows of Valentia, pretty good. It's a remake of the of the second Fire Emblem game, Fire Emblem Gaiden for the NES. And it, it, it's a little bit more old school. It's more linear than Awakening is. Um, but it's it's a faithful, interesting recreation of an old school Fire Emblem game and feels more like the GBA games than Awakening or Fates does, and and I think mostly for the better. Like like um, Echoes is a different one. I don't think I lo- I was obsessed with it the way I loved Awakening, but it's it's a good one. While I I, I cannot recommend Fates, but Awakening and Echoes I think are two good Fire Emblem games. Yeah, I definitely mean to hunt down a copy of Echoes at some point because again I didn't I skipped it the first time around because Fates turned me off so much. But after playing Three Houses and enjoying it quite a bit, it's not my favorite game ever, like it is for some people, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, and I'm kind of curious to see what they'll do next. I own so, a copy of Three Houses, even though I love Fire Emblem. I have not played it yet, but you can 100% <laughs> blame this podcast for it because it's <laughs> it's hard for me to sit down and play a giant long uh, a strategy RPG unless I'm podcasting about it. That's that's why <laughs> you pick the war. That's why you pick the war criminal lesbian path because it's the shortest path to victory. But everybody um, plays every path in that game. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> there are I only, people that are still playing that game have been playing it since the day it came out. I, I I have actually been meaning to replay Three Houses and go back and do the other routes, but I've still only done my Edelgard route, and I'm happy with that. But it, it, uh, putting putting that aside, just just going back to to, to fire, the 3DS Fire Emblems real quick, as well sort of as much as I dislike Fire Emblem Fates, I will say that female Corrin is an S tier character design, and I do main them in Smash. So make it that what you will. Yes, <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say on Echoes, uh, I, I've never played the original Fire Emblem 2, and I actually haven't played Echoes. I just watched a friend play it. Uh, I actually really like the main cast um, of that game, and I really like the dungeon crawling aspect of it. That's right. Which, yeah, 
which I don't know if any other Fire Emblem has. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it does. The original, the original Fire Emblem Gaiden didn't have that either. But like Echoes experimented with Fire Emblem gameplay that wasn't clear the map or capture the castle with these dungeons. It, it sticks out to me as something I remember, and even occasionally uh, knocks knocks me and says, "Maybe you should have played this. One. <laughs> Maybe this one isn't Faith's." Um, and so, yeah, I just always thought that was an interesting aspect. Um, and then uh, uh, another another Fire Emblem note, since Fire Emblem is so huge now, um, I, I feel like we have this 3DS era, despite its missteps, uh, to thank in a lot of ways for our current resurgence of strategy games. That because <laughs> Awakening did so well and just put Fire Emblem, made it a top tier Nintendo franchise, now we see more and more developers, even just Square Enix going back to and putting out tactics games uh, and seeing. You think we don't get Tactics Ogre Rebirth or uh, Octopath, I'm sorry, or uh, Triangle Strategy without Fire Emblem Awakening? I, I think so, yes. Huh. I think that even even beyond that, even things like, I, I think Disgaea 6 is generally not everyone's favorite in the series, but even just developers experimenting with strategy games again, pushing the limits on it uh like the dio field chronicles coming out soon uh i think all of that genre being as big as it is is developers saying look a strategy game actually can be a big deal Uh, i definitely agree i mean i think it's quite impressive when you know like ubisoft who are not exactly known for experimenting will uh will even go and make their own tactics game i don't think we'd have got mario and rabbits about the success of fire emblem on 3ds that's right. That is a strategy RPG, isn't it? Yeah, I, I actually, I, I don't like Rabbids, so that's not the first example that comes to mind. But yes, it's actually a really good example uh, that there's all of these, all of this strategy game. There's just a big resurgence of it, uh, where for a long time it was, I hate to say it's a was a dead genre, but it was definitely not a priority. It was not a mainstream genre, for right. sure. So you're telling me the battle system of South Park, the fractured butthole, would have been different if uh, if if not for Fire Emblem Awakening. All right, we're gonna go uh, with that. Excellent. Okay, so uh, I think that's it, it, things that are terrible. All right, <laughs> that game's not bad. I mean, Morgan Freeman sells you magic burritos, and I appreciate. I know, it. I know, I know. I just, I just, I don't like that South game. Park. That game fine. is fine. Yeah, it's a fine game. I okay, just, but it is not. It is not a 3DS game, so we should try and stay on task a little bit. Uh, uh, Tom, what's another game from the list or series from the list you'd like to discuss? So I'll go with a series that I think is um, maybe a little bit underrated, and it's also maybe a bit uh, almost sad to look back at, but it's um, the Mario and Luigi series. We got four entries on the on the 3DS with Dream Team, Paper Jam, Superstar Saga, and Bowser's Inside Story, the latter two being remakes. But I only admittedly played the remakes, but I think they're really, really charming games, and the writing is just fantastic. Like, it's so funny. And, um, I mean, I think... It's a bit sad that, especially with like uh, with uh, Bowser's Inside Story coming out so late, sort of led to the, I guess you could say the death of Alpha Dream. But they're two games that I really spent a lot of time with on the the 3DS, and I think they're quite like their battle system stuff like that. They're quite unique titles as well. Uh, Peter, you and I have talked about uh, 
um, these games a little bit. We did two episodes on Superstar Saga uh, a year ago or so. We did, yeah. A- and um, very and it, fond of these games. Yeah, and and, and you and I have uh, collectively mourned the death of Alpha Dream a little bit. I mean, I mean, obviously, what they need to do is uh, is do a remake of Tomato Adventure in the Salad Kingdom. Or no, 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 I, no, I no, 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 no. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's 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 just Tomato Adventure, which is different from Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom. My bad, my bad. I would um, absolutely play a remake of Tomato Adventure. Is the yeah. problem? But I'm um... <laughs> mixing up my tomato games, but. Uh, but Mario and Luigi Dream Team, which was the first one strictly for the 3DS, gives you situations where you can like make uh, like thousands of clones of Dream Luigi and kick them like a soccer ball or uh, throw them like a giant chain <laughs> chain whip. <laughs> and the and the the absurd uh, the absurdity of the brothers' attacks in uh, these games uh, really never get old, and makes the the basic the basics of combat in those games and the basics of platforming. Uh, uh, really unique and charming. There aren't really other games like it. Yeah, no, they're definitely very unique. Um, they kind of, but Mario and Luigi has always sort of taken the formula that was popularized by Mario, uh, Super Mario RPG and Paper Mario, and sort of and played around with it to accommodate Luigi and the unique team up attacks, and also just this blistering sense of humor that um, it just gives it gives the Mar- Mario universe such personality. Um, says the guy with a, with a fawful avatar in many places I, on the internet. <laughs> I have, I have had a fawful avatar for many, many years. Yes. Um, uh, generally speaking, I feel like for fans of Mario and Luigi, um, the consensus is that the series sort of peaked at Bowser's inside story on the DS. Um, and people are a little less fond of the 3DS era for these games. However, um, I liked. I would. I really love the art style of these games on the 3DS. I adore um, the the super detailed sprites and really lush environments. And it's just, it's got such a calming, wonderful looking aesthetic. And you know, Paper uh, Paper Jam, the second one that they came out with, that one has was the Paper Mario crossover game that plays a lot with like little paper craft things. It, that's the one I haven't played, but it, uh, but it, it's, it, the look of it is extremely charming. I got to mm-hmm. admit. Mm-hmm. And then the Superstar Saga remake, um, you know, put, putting aside like whether or not, well, people questioning whether or not it's necessary to remake these games in the first place. The Superstar Saga remake is excellent. I think, I think that is a, that is a wonderful way to play that game. Um, that just, it takes, it, it takes, it just, it's absolutely, it's beautiful looking, it runs really well, um, and it's it's more accessible than ever before. Um, unfortunately, it the series does go out in a bit of a low note, because while Bowser's Inside Story is still a great game, Bowser's Inside Story um, uh, DX was kind of a step down from Superstar Saga remake, in a way. It runs, it doesn't run as well and in general um was not very well received which as we pointed out unfortunately led to the shuttering of the developer alpha dream um which is a damn shame because i would have really liked to see that developer um branch out and experiment a little bit more Uh, it's also a shame that it it sort of came out so late like i mean like 2019 by then like the switch had been out for for two years i don't know uh many people looking for titles on the 3ds you know i think that yeah, if they yeah. put it if they put it on Switch, I feel like people would have bought it. Like, oh, I'd, yeah, I'd, it, it if was... they bought a new one out on Switch, that'd be that'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah that was still that time where Nintendo insisted that they were going to keep two pieces of hardware and that 
it's like they weren't all in on the switch yet they wanted to keep the 3ds alive just in case the switch actually failed and so they kept putting out things like the luigi's mansion remake and bowser's inside story and kirby's epic yarn all these things that like i would have bought like all of those for the switch but i wasn't gonna buy any of them for the 3ds Uh, i i don't know if we'll ever get to this but um the last 3ds game i bought new was in 2019 i think the only 3ds game i think is older on this list that's older than bowser's inside story remake is the second persona q game uh new cinema Mm -hmm. labyrinth oh yeah that that, um that that one was extremely late uh but but it also really reuse the entire engine and art style from the first one which is why I, and and used both screens a lot which i think is why it was on 3ds and not switch but but uh, but you're definitely right i mean 2019 is so late the switch was already out for for over two years uh releasing a 3ds game at that time was really i don't know like uh looking at at cross-gen gameplay and reaching a little bit too far probably I mean, I mean, the New Cinema Labyrinth uh, localization didn't have English dialogue, um, or, or English voice dialogue. It was all it was only in Japanese with English text, which is not the case for the previous Shadow of the Labyrinth. And I think probably because it just had a, a lesser budget being a 3DS game released in 2019. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, so, uh, Anthony, go ahead and, uh, and hit us with your next suggestion. Um, I know I don't think Final Fantasy was mentioned too much. And, um, I actually, I don't know, I'm sure everybody pronounces this a different way, but, um, I always said theater rhythm, Final Fantasy. I used to play the original one a lot when that came out. My original 3DS has many, many scratch marks from my stylus rapidly going back and forth, trying to hit those notes. Some, somewhere, Stephen Myrink, friend of the site, just sat up, bolt upright at the mention of theater rhythm. So, um, you know, I... I was more of always a Dragon Quest person. So, like, Final Fantasy games, like, I used to play them on, like, my Android devices when, you know, they came out on the App Store. But, um, I never really got into them too much. But, um, back, this was when, back when Nintendo Power was still a thing. And I was reading through the magazine, and I saw, you know, they had the article for the game. And just looking at the screenshots and reading it, I was like, you know, it was, you know, it was unique. It was a battle rhythm game and you know back then you know, i wasn't really big into the internet and pcs and stuff like that so i don't even know you know osu or stuff like that those existed i you know, i have no idea but um you know that was my first introduction to um rhythm games for me i don't know i just like the idea of the battle system and even you know the music's catchy not even you know i have no experience of most of those games and the characters i you know i just that's the big the customization is you know the characters you can choose from and they had a dlc where you can you know you could by the time you max out all these characters you'd be playing the songs a million times not that you probably ever would but um you know it it's definitely tailored that game is tailored to people who know the series really well but for me as somebody who didn't um you know the gameplay itself and even just the music it's very it's very enjoyable and catchy and i know there was multiplayer um in the games never really played them too much i know people had a lot of maxed out characters when they did did play it and um i not i don't really remember much about it other than that right well uh i'll 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 clarify some things i guess um theater rhythm final fantasy is a 3ds rhythm game that has music from all over the final fantasy series and characters and uh situations from the final fantasy theory series where you uh play different songs by dragging and tapping your stylus along to follow a sort of a scrolling musical bar 
on the uh, on the bottom screen. Uh, some of them are staged as battles. Some of them are staged as walking through a world map. But it, it's basically just um, very specific tapping and dragging in time with the music. And uh, it had a, a, an expanded version called Curtain Call that came out a year or two later that just added a bunch of more songs and characters and scenarios and then had more DLC on top of that from music from all over Square Enix, including some songs from uh, Chrono Trigger and I think the Mana series and probably others that I'm forgetting. And it's it's a shame that uh, you're a Dragon Quest fan, Anthony. I'm not saying you, you should be ashamed of being a Dragon Quest fan, but, the, <laughs> but there is a Dragon, a Theater Rhythm Dragon Quest that they released in Japan yes. only, yes, which is... I'll- Alas, yeah. most Dragon Quest games are, are locked to Japan only. So yeah, uh, the the third Rocket Slime game uh, again uh, was yes. yeah yeah it's a it's a, a trilogy of games one on the GBA one on the DS one on the 3DS but we only got the DS one worldwide uh, uh, localized as Dragon Quest Rocket Slime but uh, which is too bad we never got that one but uh, the one thing I was always the most puzzled by on theater rhythm. And I've talked about this in other podcasts, mostly years ago when these games were new. And, and Peter, you probably heard me tell you this before. I am baffled that there's no kingdom hearts music in theater rhythm. I was sure that they were secretly developing theater rhythm, kingdom hearts, and they were just going to give us a new game full of kingdom hearts is beautiful music. Which uh, we eventually did get, we got melody. Of I was going to say, didn't yeah. we just get that? <laughs> yeah. Except I mean, theater rhythm is way better than melody of memory. The problem with that because melody of memory did not have nearly as much content or music as theater rhythm, final fantasy, but it uh, was also, yeah. I think more expensive. It was like 60, a full 60 bones instead of 40. Yeah, it is. A, it is. Def- yeah. Yeah. Melody of memory is definitely a, a different beast, although it's this very similar concept where you're guiding a, party of characters through the songs in a way that's sort of meant to simulate the gameplay of the series it's based on but um it definitely has a smaller library of music um uh and yeah it's so it, it would have been interesting to see them do that as part of Fever rhythms dlc yeah, but uh, I mean I mean maybe we're uh complaining about what theater rhythm isn't a little bit too much because uh I would theater- love if they really made a new one. Oh, yeah, I mean I mean um especially Curtain Call which is just more theater rhythm content. They're excellent. They are just uh pure celebrations of Final Fantasy and Square Enix music and if that sounds remotely good to you then you would probably love this thing. I I uh I, I did not destroy my uh 3DS touchscreen by playing too much Curtain Call but it's this is a good rhythm game and you know scratched exactly the same itch as my college years of playing way too much guitar hero and rock band did and might meet importing um the other owendon games in addition to three in addition to elite beat agents on the regular ds did uh but yeah if you are in the center of that venn diagram of rhythm game fans and final fantasy music fans then uh one of the theater rhythm games is a must purchase at least absolutely all right, so that was Theater Rhythm Final Fantasy. Uh, I, I, I think that Stephen Myrink and Derek Kingsbergen and Greg Delmage just sat bolt upright and aren't sure why they did so. But uh, it's your turn, Josh. Uh, what's a game from our list that you'd like to discuss? Xenoblade Chronicles 3D. Uh, Interesting. Is the worst way to play Xenoblade, especially now that the whole trilogy is on the Switch, but it's a technological marvel of sorts. Uh, it only runs on the new 3DS. It might be the only game that only runs on the new 3DS. It's one of very few. Uh, but it's the full Xenoblade experience. Uh, 
with all of the the open world and just the whole thing right um and uses the whole the touch screen for all of the menus so you get a clean view on the top screen of the world that everybody loved from the wii version anyway um and so it's just uh, i i thought it was just worth noting that like the 3ds was really capable of a lot when you pushed its limits uh to put a game the size of xenoblade on it uh like i i don't think there's anything even remotely similar in the library Right. Well, uh, I, I don't own a, a new 3DS, but so I didn't play that version of Xenoblade Chronicles, but I did play um, the original Xenoblade on the Wii. It's maybe my favorite Wii game. It's one of, I think, the definitive RPGs of the PS Wii 60 era uh, and, and the definitive edition on Switch that came, up, uh, that came out last year was very well received. So if you want to play that thing on something more modern than the Wii or 3DS, I would recommend that because I've only heard complaints about the 3ds version um caitlin argyros who is the number one xenoblade fan that i know with apologies to zach wilkerson and alana Hagues and many others uh, um and Some oh and, and, and especially tyler, tyler. tyler. oh my god <laughs> I, that, that's that, that i'm rudest to tyler um, most of all sorry tyler. Love you, tyler uh the only thing that we're rooted to right now is xenoblade chronicles cross because you refer to it as a xenoblade trilogy how dare you josh how dare you oh, i know yeah um uh, but but uh, I, I remember people complaining about Xenoblade Chronicles 3D, right. but that but that's still uh, that's still one of the great RPGs of the last 15 years, uh, the original version and its remakes, and the fact that that it was a, that this game that like the Wii was chugging like a jet engine trying to run is able to run on the 3DS at all is remarkable, but uh, that doesn't mean I want to play it. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely like I said at the top, it's uh, definitely the worst way to play it. Uh, especially if you have access to xenoblade chronicles on anything else like it nintendo's released it on every piece of hardware since the wii uh but uh but it just it is noteworthy it almost just seems like they were flexing to say look at what mm -hmm. this little handheld can do um, well, it definitely it definitely is them like showing off for sure um so also maybe them trying to sort of uh I guess justify the new 3DS. There wasn't many titles. That <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, for I, sure. I, maybe they're trying to move some new 3DS units by having this this uh, big game come out on it. That makes sense. I, I just hope it wasn't too expensive for them to move it over. But I mean, as much as I can't attest to the 3D version, um, Xenoblade Chronicles One is an all-time great. It really is, uh, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely, I haven't played it, but it's definitely a game I'd like to. It seems like the, uh, the 3DS version is not the way to go. No, play the Switch version. Highly, highly Yeah, like honestly at this point, the Switch version is the way to go. Yeah. If you oh. have 100 hours to spare, definitely play that thing. But it is a it is a long, meaty, meaty one. Uh, I, I have to say that at the top as well. So, the, But that's the only caveat I'm tour because uh, it's, like Xenoblade 1 is awesome. It's the only game with Xeno in the title that I liked enough to finish, which is really i don't know if that's a bit too spicy a take for here but i i'm, I'm gonna speak my truth i've only played three games with oh, four games with xeno in the title look at me uh getting rid of xenoblade x i've i've <laughs> I've, I've tried to i've tried to play four or five but the only one i finished was xenoblade one but 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 that game is is outstanding i have finished xenoblade one and xeno gears i have attempted to finish xeno saga episode one and xenoblade two I ha I have attempted all the ones that you said, but I didn't finish Xenogears because I hated the 
back end of the second disc so much i just stopped playing <laughs> see we're the we're the a visual novel it, it does yeah. <laughs> yes they, they run out of they run out of, it, it doesn't become a pure visual novel but basically it becomes a lot of text dumps with tiny little dungeons and boss fights stitching them together yes that being said uh this is totally off topic i will this will be quick um uh, i'm the opposite of you in this regard Solosi, because i thought disc two was an improvement <laughs> <laughs> I, I I liked the awkward martial arts gameplay from the first disc and and wanted more of it. But uh, I was so tired of Xenogears by the time I reached disc two that I was like, oh, you're just going to give me the story and I can play less of this game. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, regardless, this is not a Xenogears podcast. We did two Xenogears episodes in, I want to say, 2016 might have been 2017. So there, there's there's some Xenogears on Retro Encounter if you want uh, if you want that. But uh, not now. There is no Xenogears uh, port to the 3ds although i would i would have played that if they made one yeah i I'd, I'd, I'd have totally honestly i'd have totally played that so uh I, it's my turn and i think we'll make mine the last segment before we uh start housekeeping where should i go uh uh peter do we want puzzles monsters or demons oh man you're making me choose because i'm gonna go with demons but i, I don't want to take monster hunter away from you no it's fine we uh, uh let's go demons um there are a lot of shin megami tensei games available on the 3ds a but yeah both remakes and new ones and uh and uh and other out ad- adaptations just uh scrolling down the list a little bit we got shin megami tensei 4 the proper fourth game in the series shin megami tensei 4 apocalypse which is a semi-sequel to smt4 uh, the remake of Soul of Soul Hackers, which was Japan only Saturn and PS One, and a remake of Strange Journey for the for the regular DS. Uh, remakes of Devil Survivor Overclocked One. I'm sorry, Devil Survivor One and Two. They're both called Overclocked, and the, uh, the which were originally DS. And uh, uh, what else is there? Um, oh yeah, the Persona Q games that I mentioned. Um, two Persona Q games, which are crossovers of the Etrian Odyssey series. Um, so there's mapping and. Uh, and uh, there's persona characters and a persona crossover story with a lot of dungeon map manipulation and uh, and sort of dungeon running uh, ca- like party design gameplay. There are so many of them. I, I mean, I just knocked I just hashed out eight and uh, a lot of them have follow ups on the switch or other systems. But yeah, we just got Soul Hackers too, like or we will be getting it soon as of this recording. Yeah, and that's a little bit of a complicated lineage because Soul Hackers was the second Devil Summoner game. And then they made two uh, Devil Summoner three and four are the Raido Kuzunoho games, and uh, and I think but Soul Hackers drops the Devil De- Devil Summoner thing, and I think that Atlas hopes or Sega Atlas hopes that Soul Hackers can be like a new proper series for them. Is mm-hmm. my is is my theory. I will I will issue a small correction, Solosi. You you are correct. There are a lot of Shin Megami Tensei games on this list. Uh, Devil Survivor 2's 3DS version is called Record Keeper. Right. Okay. Um, I. Um, uh, maybe unsurprisingly, I bought both of them as downloads when Sega Atlas had a giant sale, uh, I think near the end of last year. And I'm like, well, I know that the 3DS library is going away, so I'm just going to download all the ones out on sale that I can. That's all, that's also why I own copies of, uh, Rhythm Thief and Monster Hunter 3, which is a game I would never, I thought I would, uh, I would play. Um, but, but, but yeah, like all of these are at, at least at least will slake your thirst if you want to uh, play some Shin Megami Tensei because there's a lot of Shin Megami Tensei out there and a lot of it is really really good. Uh, the one the, the one of the ones I've mentioned I've played the most are definitely the Persona Q games, and I think they're really good as long as you go in with the idea that this is not a pure Persona game. This is just Persona characters with 
uh, with, you know, um, target great value uh, versions of their personalities uh, stuck in the game, but but really stuck in Etrian Odyssey. Yes, yeah, stuck in an Etrian Odyssey game, but with really cool dungeon designs and uh, cartography gameplay. But so if you're a persona person that likes dungeon crawlers, then uh, then those bo- games are both um, like better than they have any right to be. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I've only played a little bit of Shin Megami Tensei 4, but it's really, really good. It's, it's, some people like it more than Nocturne or SMT5, but, uh, and on both of those games I've played in, uh, to Forest. the end. And 4 is great. excellent. Yeah. Oh my god. Rob Steinman has tried to get me to play Shin Megami Tensei 4 more than any other game not named without souls in the title. Uh, so, <laughs> like, I... I know that game has its fans for sure. And Apocalypse has the most terrifying final dungeon I've ever seen because I've only, I've only seen pictures yep. of it. Apocalypse, Ap- Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse is the only game to stab me because I bought the edition that had those little pins included and I stepped on one. <laughs> that game is so oppressive and violent that you literally injured. It, it literally injured you. So. I had, that game actually made me bleed. So yeah, uh, it's doing its job well, guys. <laughs> SMT is suffering, but uh, like we said, um, uh, Strange Journey is a semi-first-person dungeon crawler. Like you're playing an old, uh, like you're playing an old, like Super Famicom SMT game or something. Uh, Soul Hackers is uh, similar to, you know, well, I mean, it's a, it's a remake of a PS One Saturn game. You're you're a detective uh, that uses a, a cell phone to summon demons or upgrade demons, and your uh, your girlfriend is uh, possessed by a succubus at the very beginning of the game. And um, the uh, the demon girl Nemissa is very very popular. There's a lot of fan art of her floating around. And uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And and so sort of that's sort of a more traditional SMT game, but you're but with a with noir detective flavor, uh, with with Nemissa as the femme fatale. But and uh, the Devil Survivor games are uh, basically strategy RPGs based on a grid where um, collecting and growing and uh, and strengthening demons and summoning with your with your cell phones is uh is sort of part and parcel to that um i know the uh the um character designer for the devil survivor games went on to do some of the digimon games that i know you're a fan of peter like uh yeah yes it, yeah the, the it, same the same artist as cyber sleuth it's the same artist as cyber sleuth and also Dorara. yeah it's they have a very distinctive art style and i adore it yeah so uh, yeah, if you want some demon RPGs on the 3DS, uh, there are a bunch of them. I don't know how expensive they are to find. Again, I I have, I think all I have all of them digitally except for Soul Hackers and the Persona games, but uh, but they, I think they're worth it, as, especially if you just want to bank them and for an RPG down the line because that's how I treated all of them. <laughs> also, Atlas have been putting on some uh, pretty good sales in the the lead up to the closure so you might oh, be yeah. able to get them before it goes down oh yeah i've got i got almost all of those games for less than 20 bucks like this year so like less than 20 bucks less than 20 bucks a piece i should specify no i i think i think you're right i think they were something like 9.99 each when i bought conservatively four or five of these plus others at at a giant sega atlas sale yeah. at the end of 2021 Unlike unlike a lot of game companies, Atlas is pretty good about making sure you can play their older stuff. They've been good with re-releases. You can still buy um, boxed, sealed copies of some of their PS2 games online um, for pretty cheap. Uh, the 3DS library of theirs is widely available, although some of the physical editions are a little hard to come by nowadays, but less so than other games. Um uh, yeah, the, the Atlas has a large and expansive library of games on the 3DS, and all, all of them are worth your time for sure. Uh, I will say this is just this is a minor complaint. 
not even a complaint, really, just a weird quirk. Atlas was obsessed with this trope in all of their re-releases where a mysterious girl Hmm. with a secret shows up, and they do that same thing in all of the additional content for Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey, for Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology, for Persona 4 Golden. So yeah, like there is that weird trend of Atlas remakes and sometimes just regular ass Atlas games having mysterious girls from the future and or a magical other dimension like adding unnecessarily unnecessary storylines. But sometimes I like it like in the first Persona Q game and sometimes I ask why they did this like in uh, the Radiant Historia remake that we discussed earlier this episode. But we have spent almost two hours or at least 90 minutes talking about 10 different series probably 30 games and we did not get to about a, a, a full half of our list uh, let's just talk about some more 3ds games it, like giving them a three-word review every time uh zero escape virtues last reward and zero time dilemma one good one less good uh bravely default and bravely second they're both great but the second one's weird uh tales of the abyss that's one of the best ps2 rpgs has a very good 3ds remake seven at Trine odyssey games on this system four five untold one untold two ne- ne- nexus and two mystery du- dungeon crossovers um, Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance, which I'm heard is a video game. Uh, there are six, <laughs> there are six Monster Hunter games. Um, three Ultimate, four for Ultimate Generations, Generations Ultimate, and uh, Monster Hunter Stories. Uh, only four of which uh, released worldwide. Uh, Rune Factory Four, which Marcos Gaspar loves, so it must be an excellent game. Um, Starship Damray, not sure what that is. Crimson Shroud, we did an episode on that last year. It's a really unusual, uh, or maybe it was two years ago, but it's a, it's a really unusual like tabletop game with figurines and dice rolls it's, it's pretty good uh yokai watch that's uh, uh like that was uh, an, an unusual series of um ghost catching games made by level five that was unpopular until its anime made it like the best-selling 3ds game for a while um still don't understand what's going on with that um story of seasons for the artist formerly known as harvest moon has a couple of uh really good 3ds games i think they're uh, mostly messing around on the switch now and uh, uh josh codename steam is that the game where like abraham lincoln is in a mecca uh, I don't remember the Mecca part, but yes, it's a, it's like God Abraham Lincoln and like the lion from the wizard of Oz. And it's a weird historical, uh, strategy XCOM game. <laughs> and uh, based on our theory from before, Codename steam would not exist without fire emblem awakening. Correct. Whether or not it should exist is another topic. Every grid-based strategy game made after 2013 is just a sequel to Fire Emblem Awakening. Which, that is true. Yes. Uh, it has. It's it all has, the alternate futures. <laughs> uh. Got it. Oh, so so we really are in a Kotaro Uchikoshi multiverse. So so what you're saying is that it's Fire Emblem Awakening's fault that that Langrisser 3DS game came out. Got it. Wow. Okay, so that's a game that was not on our list, and from your tone, Peter, I think there's a reason it's not on our list. Yep, it is best forgotten about. But, you know, the the 3DS has a a bunch of other great games that aren't RPGs on it. Does anyone have a favorite non-RPG on the 3DS that they can give a two-sentence spiel for? I'll go. Um, Mario 3D Land, completely underrated 3D Mario. I think it's definitely, like, one of the best uh, utilizations of 3D on the system. That final level in that game where you're like sailing down a gondola in 3D looks amazing when you do it. Though yeah. I, 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 I can't have the 3D turned on all the time with that game because it does hurt my eyes a little. <laughs> uh, while we're talking about uh, 3D Nintendo platformers, uh, there are two really excellent Kirby games for 3DS, uh, Triple Deluxe and Planet Robobot. They both come highly recommended, especially from a Kirby uh, hater like me that, um, that 
that thought there were no good Kirby games in between Superstar and Triple Deluxe. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, mean, I agree that those are like two major highlights. I wouldn't say there were no good ones in between them. You know that that's yeah, there, is... that's true. There was a DS remake of Superstar. That game's great. Oh there, they, uh, this is this is Kirby's Air Ride Erasure. Yeah. Kirby's Air Ride is awesome, but I'm sure that's a video game that happened. Uh, it is definitely a video game that happened. But what other, any other video games that happened on the 3DS before we start housekeeping? Mario Kart Seven. Yeah, Metroid, Metroid, the, Metroid, Samus Returns brought back was, the Metroid series. Brought back the Metroid series and led led directly into us getting Metroid Dread. I remember when they announced that Rob was freaking out. Uh, Mario Kart Seven is a very good Mario Kart game. Right on, Hockey yeah. Kart I, Jockey is a good one from you know, um, I think who was it from the Pokemon Theaters made that one. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it was. It was Game Freak. And um, Smash 3DS was a pretty good handheld Smash game um, that made it that came out before the Wii U version and kind of gave everyone a preview of what to expect. Um, it has some very unique features that they haven't done since. Smash Run is so much fun. I wish that had been redone again. Another shockingly okay fighting game adaptation on the 3DS. Street Fighter 4 has a 3DS version that lets you play in a 3D like over the shoulder mode and it's shockingly not bad. Like 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 a Street Fighter with weird touch controls and 3D features kind of worked on the 3DS. And if that's not an endorsement for the 3DS being a great system, I don't know what is. But uh, listeners, I hope you uh, liked the 3DS almost as much as the five of us do. Otherwise, this would have been a very tiresome listen. But uh, all three of us, I'm all three, all five of us love the 3DS. There are a ton of games to talk about uh, that are excellent. We didn't get to nearly all of them, but I hope you enjoyed this uh 3ds appreciation station uh, but uh, also thank the four of you anthony tom peter and josh for joining me on this episode uh it, it had been floating around as an idea for a while and I'm, I'm, I'm a little sad that it took the closure of the 3ds store to get us to want to talk about it more hey as long as it got it got us to the table eventually and yeah it was, it was thank you for having me it was a, a fun trip down memory lane even if that trip down memory lane includes uh the, the, that Langrisser remake that you love so much. Oh Fire boy, don't Fates. do not get me started. And Fire Emblem Fates. <laughs> you know, I, I really could do an entire episode called Fire Emblem Hates. That's just me clowning on that game. <laughs> I do because, feel bad that you didn't get to talk about Monster Hunter. You know what? It's fine. Um, I sort of skipped Monster Hunter on the 3DS. There's, again, six games on it, and I've only really played one of them at length. But uh, Monster Hunter had an entire time in the middle of the uh, 2010s on 3DS. But, but my Monster Hunter fandom is mostly the PSP and then skip right ahead to the <laughs> to, to, to the switch to the switch in PS4. So uh, I was but I was too busy uh, playing Fire Emblem Awakening and, and ensuring the future of strategy RPGs when the, the Monster Hunter 3DS games are coming out. Uh, but yeah, if we're, OK, if we're talking about how uh, Monster Hunter 4 relates to Fire Emblem Awakening, then it was definitely time to end the episode. Um, uh, we all thanked each other for showing up. But I uh, thank especially uh, no disrespect, Peter, but especially thank you to Josh, Tom and Anthony for making this your very first episode of Retro Encounter. Uh, turns out that we have done hundreds and are going to be doing way more. So hopefully this is not the last time that we podcast together. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. I got a long way to go to to beat that record Peter has. So it's nice <laughs> to not just edit them for once. So I appreciate oh. it. 
Peter doesn't have the record. I'm I'm a little bit ahead of him, but uh, I was gonna say, but uh, I no, you guys, I don't you think guys, any of us can beat that record. <laughs> no, you you guys did great. It was great having y'all. But uh, listeners, I mentioned that there are hundreds of episodes of Retro Encounter. That is definitely true. Um, we have done episodes on many of these games we've discussed, uh, including Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, the Ace Attorney series. Uh, I'm looking through Radiant Historia. Uh, Majora's Mask has uh, two episodes on um, on Retro Encounter from many years ago. And uh, we've done some um, generalized Pokemon episodes, again, from many, many years ago. But uh, hmm, a lot of these are giving me getting the old podcast planning gears turning. I was going to write down Dragon Quest VIII for earmark that for 2023. But enough of that. And let's talk about the more the more near future of Retro Encounter. We're doing uh, one more episode on Final Fantasy XIII. I know that you've maybe listened to two, us two episodes of Final Fantasy XIII on Retro Encounter very recently. But we have a third one talking about the sequels of FF13. And Peter, you are on deck to record that one. Yes, I am. We're going to be talking about uh, the whole Fabula Nova Chrysalis thing and uh, how, whether or not it panned out. So uh, look forward to that. I am indeed looking forward to that. But uh, coming later this month, we're doing two episodes on Live Alive, a game I have been mispronouncing for at least 20 years, um, a 1994 Square RPG that was recently remade on the Switch Uh recently i think just a month ago or, or maybe two months ago by now um but i that's a game that i had that sort of passed me by a little bit when i was emulating everything under the sun in the early 2000s and but now this remake gives me a perfect chance to replay it um uh, tom we, we talked a little bit before recording um you've already um, finished the live alive remake what did you think of it yeah it's a it's a really interesting game i think it's pretty like i guess you could say meta is a bit like you can definitely see the uh the pools that undertale and games like that took from it it's, and it's, I think it's just great to see, like, Square bringing back all these old, like, games that we really never got, you know? Okay, penciling in Tom for two more episodes <laughs> in September. I'll see Perfect. you guys there. <laughs> and uh, But after September, uh, I think I announced on social media by now, um, uh, October is month of adventure games in for Retro Encounter. Uh, we are playing four adventure games um, from, the his- from 1990 to uh, the present day. Uh, they're all going to be shorties, so I think I'm going to be on three or four of those episodes. Um, I, I and we I can't say what all of them are yet. Maybe you know by now, but two of them are definitely the Secret of Mon- Monkey Island and Broken Age, sort of the beginning and towards the end of uh, of Tim Schafer's career of writing adventure games. So please look forward to Live Alive, more Final Fantasy 13, and four different adventure games over the next six-ish weeks, or no, let's say eight-ish weeks of Retro Encounter. But uh, listeners, Retro Encounter is not the only fine podcast offered on RPGFan.com. There's also Random Encounter every two weeks about randomness, uh, Rhythm Encounter every two weeks about RPG music. Uh, You can listen to those and rate or review both of those and Retro Encounter on your podcast platform of choice, which could, could be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or something else. Um, but RPG Fan is more than just podcasts. We also have our message boards, our main website, RPGFan.com, a page on Facebook, a page on Twitter, a Discord server, a YouTube channel, an Instagram uh, account. Yeah, that's the word for Instagram. Yeah, an Instagram at- account and a Twitch channel with something streaming at least five days a week on Twitch. Uh, so please enjoy RPG Fan in however manner you choose. Oh, there's also merch to sell now. That for After many years of no merch at all, RPG Fan has an official online store hosted by tpublic.com. And you can uh, search for RPG Fan on T Public, or find the link from our other social media accounts to buy RPG Fan T-shirts, or hoodies, or coffee mugs, or phone cases, or a number of other 
of other things emblazoned with the RPG fan Emerald Shield. Please support RPG fan however you choose and are able to do so. But if you want to reach out to us as individuals and not as RPG fan, let's tell them the best way to do that, uh, which is my way of saying share your social media right now if you choose to, starting with you, Peter. As always, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me at I Have Fury on Twitter or email me, PeterT at RPGFan.com. All right, thank you for demonstrating to the rest of the class how it's done, Peter. Uh, one hundred plus episode veteran, Peter. Uh, now it's your now it's your turn, Josh. Yeah, the best way to find me is Twitter. Uh, I am at Watcher Joshua. Now Anthony. So um, on the RPG page, um, on the about section, you can check out um my Twitter handle, which is the same as Instagram, which is the lengthy at Antonio underscore K, which is the same as the Instagram, which has my link to my um professional portfolio and other resources. Uh, that's right. Uh, um, Anthony, you're a uh, professional photographer, correct? In, yes. in IRL, as the kids say? Yes, I, I work for the news out in uh, Albany, New York. So, fun times. Right on. And Tom, your turn. Yeah, if you want to find me, the best face to find me is Twitter. My handle is Voiceless Tom, which is slightly ironic, considering you're hearing my voice right now. But there we are. <laughs> yeah, as, as far as I'm concerned, Tom, you are literally only a voice. So that you, your uh, your Twitter handle is a little bit of a contradiction. Oh, maybe I have to change it. <laughs> uh, my, my Twitter is also a metaphor that might be a contradiction. I'd have to, you know, double check a dictionary to see how right or wrong that is. Um, listeners, the easiest way to find me is Twitter. I am at the real monsoon most of the time. At Evoker for dogs other times, and on RPG fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. Let's see, I don't think my uh, my eBay searches will be that destroyed following this episode, because I my, my 3DS collection is pretty good, but, oh boy, maybe I really do need to play a strategy RPG starring Abraham Lincoln. I don't know. Listeners, thank you, good night, and good luck. Good luck.